Hey everyone, it's Anil from Live, Breathe, Believe. Our weekly series with Indira Kennedy's Eight Elements for Self-Mastery continues with element number four, energy. There is an endless source of energy available to you when you focus on its source within you. Indira, who's a firm believer in the sound mind and a wise heart, discusses the element of energy through, one, the four cues or quotients, our physical and environmental quotient, mental quotient, our emotional quotient, and our spiritual quotient. We then shift gears to discuss energy versus anxiety, where she leverages an example with one of her coachees, where he took a conversation with a colleague on his team, matched positive emotion with high energy in order to yield high performance between both him and her. We then go into a third area where Indira just discusses mapping your energy throughout your day or throughout your week and overlaying this with your colleagues to understand where you can collectively maximize your performance based on your aligned energy levels throughout the day. Without your energy, you are going to lose your innate power. And as a leader, your power is your strongest ally and guide to success. As always, I really encourage you guys to follow through with this because it's the best way to know you, to be you. I'm super excited. Enjoy this conversation and we'll chat soon. This is Anil. Big hugs. Heaps of love. Good afternoon, Indira. How are you? Hi. Good to be back again. Indeed. Weekly series on the eight elements continues. Today, we're going to be talking about energy. Now, last week, we talked about intention. And I'm looking at your book and where you say, the clearer your intention, the more energy will be available to you to make your intention happen. Energy also relates to the energy of the external environment you place yourself in. And so in some of our chats, we've talked about energy, the layers of energy, both internal and external. Indira, take us from here. Tell me about your thoughts, your sentiments around energy. So let's start with the, the previous elements is probably a good place to start first up and that is intention which which follows our creative visualization so if we're really looking at what do we want how do we want life to be might be a thing that we're after but it could be about a relationship it could be anything at all visualizing that it's still an idea it's a dream it's a hope when you put your intention behind it you're starting to bring some energy to it you're actually bringing your mind in on it and you're starting to say i've i'm going to actually have this happen i'm bringing this into fruition into being so then we put mindfulness into that and that's well what's my mind doing with this what are my thoughts and beliefs that sit around this that will make it easy or difficult for me to create this situation and we could be called talking about global impact. We could be talking about what are we having for dinner. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. So today we move into, so how do we bring our energy to this? How is energy, how is it related? And I thought long and hard about where energy sat in the list because really everything comes from energy as such. Um, we, know, we know that now. We know our physics well enough to know that. There's a universal energy at work and a whole heap of laws that come into play. So 
But at some point we have to bring our physical energy into play and we also need to start bringing some energy to our intention and our, and our mind. So, so this is getting further into what will we do. Got it. So there's a few, a few layers there, but does that, does that help? So we're talking about an internal energy, what's happening within me, how am I thinking? What am I doing with my own energy? Because then we get into energy management and ill health, great health, high performance, all those sorts of things. But we also are so aware of how our external environment and what is, what already exists, impacts on us and how we want to influence that and change it for the better if we can. But how do we, and how do we manage that when it's not always going our way? And I feel like, and I know you've said this to me, it's almost a bit of a juggle between the internal and the external ongoing day to day, hour to hour. It is. And the decision or the awareness to have is that it comes from within. Mm -hmm. So the best way to really get control of your life is stop looking at what's out there. Stop looking at what is already what already is yeah. and and come back to how do you want it to be like where do you want where do you want to this to go start a whole new life people start over they start afresh and really we do that every day so we can come back to what's happening with me and what's happening with my energy and then we can start looking at what external things might need to be changed and how we can support each other on that and something that you've mentioned to me is the four cues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to hear this. So please tell me, <laughs> tell us about the four cues. Well, IQ is intelligence, right? What's your IQ? Um, in Australia here, we t- tend to say EI for emotional intelligence. In, in Oz, it's EQ. Um, I think Daniel Goleman refers to it as EQ as well. He's like the grandfather of the notion of, of emotional intelligence. So, um, so I broke that up into, into four quadrants, really, as a way of starting to analyse and get hold of how to manage our energy because otherwise we're just running around sort of day-to-day just um, making choices here, making choices there, or, or just going into a um, semi-conscious way of living. So to start to analyse and shape up what that visualisation might look like. Okay, so we want things to be better as the visualisation, but at what level and what would that look like? So starting to give it a bit more detail. So you've got physical intelligence. What's going on with your physical being? And what do you need to flourish? Is usually how I, in my programs, I usually talk about, let's see what it takes for you to flourish. So physically, what do you need? And that can be anything to do with sleep and food and quality of water, exercise, um, hobbies, but the physical side of things and how well are you literally looking after your body, but also the physical environment. So what do you need around you? I need a lot of lights. I like homes with big windows, floor to ceiling, which is a bit difficult in the UK, but I've got got that in my apartment. I know that and I need to see big open spaces. So some people might want to be in the mountains. Others need to be by the sea. What do you need? So then we move into emotional intelligence. And that is 
what's going on emotionally? What's going on with your feeling of connection with people? What's going on with relationships? How, how secure do you feel emotionally? So, and what happens with your emotional energy? How well do you handle your own emotions, let alone other people's emotions? So some people have no control of their emotions whatsoever and others hold on so tight you never know what they're feeling. So how are you managing the energy of feeling states? This is really where we feel things. Um, and what is happening about feelings? So um, I've, got a, I've got a view on depression and, and anxiety that's really about we don't, we're not allowed to feel so much these days, you know, and feel the beauty of things and feel the love of things and, and really get immersed in those more sensory things. It tends to be just a whole heap of information coming in, not giving ourselves enough focus there. So the next thing is the mental intelligence, the, the IQ, but it's more to do with the mind and what are you doing with your mental energy is it really fast and erratic and all over the place, monkey mind? Um, do you have a very slow, takes a while to wake up kind of mind? Um, and that will also then impact on or the choice becomes what do you feed in your mind and how are you managing your mind? Because the mind has an energy. Um, and, in fact, neuroscience says that they don't know where the mind lives, right? We're not talking about the brain we're talking about the mind. Mm -hmm. So the mind is an energy field. That's, that's neuroscience's stance on it now. So it has an energy about it. And we know that most people feel quite different in their mindset and what's going on with their mind compared to us. And then lastly, SQ, which is spiritual intelligence. And that's more to do with what's happening with feeling um, fulfilled and satisfied and it usually relates to ethics and values and the things that matter to us and what's happening with our energy around that because we can have all of the other things but if we don't actually have a deep sense of purpose or I'm doing the things that matter most to me that will affect our energy as well and meditation for me is really about essentially that's the, the deepest connection that I could find spiritually, spiritual intelligence, because I know I'm tapping straight into the energy field of the universal consciousness. So it, 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 can you see how there's already we're talking about lots of layers? Yeah. Um, and so the four cues are just a really great, simple way to start analysing where do I want to make the change? What needs to change? All towards finding balance and harmony. That, that's really the goal, is being able to live in a state of balance and harmony. I think what's, what's, what's brilliant about that is it's, there are four equal quadrants, right? I'm presuming not one quadrant's not more important than the other. Ideally, they're all in balance, yeah. which, is, which is brilliant. And, you know, I, it's funny because I always think mind, body, soul, and I'm done, trifecta. But I, I like how you've gone that one step further to say, hey, there's that physical kind of outside of you, within you, the environment, the water that you nourish yourself with, the food that you nourish yourself with. I love, again, the idea of the emotional side. Um, the mind, the mental is something I know we've spoken about because it's not just the brain. You know, it, there's, there's so much else going on around it. And then the spiritual side, which I think some people, 
you know, see it as maybe it's religion or they see it as some higher power, some universal power. But I think it's just giving credit to there is a spiritual intelligence and just knowing kind of where you fall and how you feel about it and how that affects your energy. I think what I'd love to understand from you, Indra, is what is the value of people understanding energy through these four quadrants? Because from my side, I think, oh, I'm low on energy. Oh, there's the rocks, new energy drink. I'll knock that back. I feel energetic. I'm buzzing or a Red Bull or uh, a caffeinated beverage. W what is it about energy for you that you feel is something that uh, we need to, to give ourselves a boost? Well, first up, we also know that after we had the coffee, yeah, you know, the caffeine or the sugar or, and, and I fall for, I don't drink coffee or tea, but um, it's all decaf, but I will go for sugar when I'm really like, oh, I need a boost. <laughs> um, I've also been aware at times where one time I really deeply connected that when I think about dropping in at the shop on the way past to buy a chocolate, the thought that I've had in my head is to do with loneliness. Mm. So we know that we start to use things to compensate for other things. And once I recognised that, I stopped myself calling in to buy the chocolate and I started to deal with, oh, which part of me is lonely? What's this about? So but we need to be able to manage our own energy. We can't be victims to everybody else's choices for us and... And we don't feel, this is the whole empowerment thing, isn't it, that we throw around in the corporate world so much, empowering other people and empowering ourselves, self-empowerment. It comes back to the choices that we're actually making about how we use our energy but also how we replenish our energy, um, how we how we meet it out, like how, how do we do this in a way that's, energy efficient as well so that we're not feeling that we have to put a whole heap of energy into something to get a result. Most of the time it just does not take that much energy, but we've wasted a lot of energy. So it just, at, that, at this level, it starts to um, make us realise how much is going on with our own energy levels and looks at ways to um, make better choices, if you like. So when you talked about spiritual intelligence, I mean, it would come back to why do you get out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. So if you're not feeling great about getting out of bed in the morning and, and your energy is low, my first question would be, so how exciting is the idea of getting into the day? <laughs> you know, like what do you need and want to get out of the day? That you're prepared to start bringing your energy up and get out of bed and go do it, right? So um, I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that because one thing I would always ask someone in an interview or just generally is, hey, what helps you jump out of bed in the morning? Or is this a job that makes you jump out of bed in the morning? Or is this an activity? And honestly, it's ironic. What gets me sometimes to jump out of bed in the morning is that first cup of coffee. Not that I need that jolt of caffeine, but it's just like that... Um, I just, you know, it's, it's like, Ooh, I'll have a cup of coffee and I'll, you know, I'll think about my day and I'll, you know, I'll power myself up and onwards I go. Um, go ahead. That exact example is what I'm talking about as 
making choices when you know that that's a strategy, all those things form a strategy for how you're going to get your energy up and going, be ready to go out. So then we start building a life of things that, as we've talked about before, is like stacking things or building the cake that is worth eating, you know, that it's the life worth living for us. And it all comes down to the choices we make around those four quadrants and therefore what will we build into our routine because ultimately the eight elements all come together to say, so what's your personal ritual going to be on a daily, weekly basis? What are you going to say are the worth the things that are so worthwhile doing to you that you're living a, a life that feels rich to you? That's your wealth. You know, it's a wealthy life for you. And, and, and on that, then, so let's say we, we, we feel depleted. We feel that, oh, I don't have the physical energy or I don't have the spiritual energy or I don't have the mental energy or the emotional energy. Because, you know, I, I went through, in the month of January, I have to be honest with you, there were days where I'd come out of it, I'd go into the day going, yep, feel great. I feel like I've got high energy. Uh, I feel real positive. And at the end of the day, I'm like, or if not even the midday, I'm like, oh, I'm just suddenly feeling a bit negative And like my energy levels just dropped. And I don't want to do anything. Mm. What's your take on how, how that dynamic works in terms of replenishing energy as you go? Well, it could be two things. It could be what you're choosing to do and forcing yourself to do potentially. Okay. Yeah. Uh, suited to you. Yeah. Then, that, then that's not what makes you buzz. Mm-hmm. Or you've be- allowed yourself to become depleted. And at, at some level, one of the things we do know is that Healing happens when we bring that physical, emotional and mental level back into balance. Mm. So that's why the four cues become really helpful because then you can question yourself. Am I feeling physically drained and I really have not given my body enough of a rest, had a holiday, give a few days off from the gym, whatever, or is it that I'm feeling physically drained because, in fact, emotionally I'm really challenged or mentally I'm really challenged and it's pulling energy from another place because we will our our system will go looking for energy from wherever it can find it really and we can get into Chinese medicine all those things they are they completely understand that something okay I don't mean to like go a bit off piste here but bear with me (laughs) how do 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 different genders experience energy in the same way or in a different way? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. In, um, in, let, me, let me give a bit of context as you think through it. it, it, it because w- what you're saying, I feel, is so true. Like, I, I, it resonates with me. Um, this is how I see my, I mean, I, I may have thought the trifecta, you know, the mind, body, soul, or like you say, the, the physical, the mental, the spiritual. But like you brought in that emotional quadrant that I, I didn't expect. Okay. Um, I, I say, Sorry? I said, oh, I see. Okay. And, and so like, I would say, you know, compared to other guys that I know, I'm probably a bit more emotional, right? Where others are probably a bit more mental. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I look at my energy, I'll sometimes find like my emotion gives me energy, but it also depletes me. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's more mental and less emotional might not be as depleted because they're just kind of high functioning. They're, they're almost like just knocking things out. 
And that's why I sometimes wonder, and it's not to make it about men and women or men, women, and kids, but I just sometimes wonder if different genders um, and their, their interaction with energy in the four quadrants affects them differently, or mm -hmm. if it just, it's just, it's more up to the person and kind of their environment and their, their own beliefs and their, maybe their upbringing. So not, yeah. not to throw too much to it, but I, that's something that just occurred to me. I'm, yeah. I think it's a great question. I think all of those things would apply and it's up to the individual person to find out what's going on, you know, like traditionally, and I don't like making really black and white statements about things like this, but traditionally men are taught not to cry, right? Big yeah. boys don't cry. Yep. Women, oh, you're so emotional. I don't, can't tell you the number of times, even in the workplace, where sometimes my... Um, you're so sensitive is what I would be told. Mm -hmm. You're so sensitive. Well, and? It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Continue. Yeah. So somehow that puts me down as a woman or being, you know, you're so sensitive, you're not tough enough, you're, not, you're too emotional. I don't always know what they mean, but I've had that used against me. Yeah. Um, my, I know my sensitivity to other people's feelings, to culture, to agendas, politics, whatever's going on in the room is a real asset to me in leadership. And I foster that in others. You know, you can't, if, if your antennas aren't out and you're feeling what's going on, you're just relying on the words. You could be fed a stack of lies and you're working with those and the next thing you're in deep trouble. But we all, we all sense when something's a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And also I'm thinking about this, the very senior men and, it's, it, and because of the way the world has been set up with yeah. seniority, it's mostly men. Yeah. I've discovered very, very quickly that most men are extremely feeling, loving want the best for their team, want the best for themselves and the family and the organisation, um, good, strong, intelligent men um, often will look after their physical beings as well. Sometimes they don't. But the ones who are shut off to feeling and can't admit to themselves what they're really feeling, they are the ones who end up putting up the smoke screen at work end up with remedial coaching, um, which I've had to do, and really hard to break through that crust because they've built an, an amazing barrier to shield themselves from what is essentially vulnerability. And often the truth is they just don't want to be there. They want to be doing something else. So there's a whole heap goes on around being able to feel. But... Ultimately, I mean, you, you know, my belief is we are love. So if we're not allowing that love to flow in some way, then you're not going to be in feeling and you are going to be in pain because love is being suppressed. Mm -hmm. And that's not our human state. That's not, a, that's not humane. It's not humanistic. It's not who we are as as humans to suppress that. that, that goes into therapy and pain and all the things that keep us in dysfunction. 
Indira, on that note, there's there's an example that you shared with me, and I'd love for you to share it with the group. And I'm gonna, I know you talked about the four quadrants as one. There, there are another set of quadrants that you shared with me as well. And we're gonna call them high energy, low energy, negative emotion, positive emotion. And the header that we talked about was energy and anxiety management. Because yeah. if there's one thing that depletes people's energy, it's anxiety yes. and negative, negative negativity. And um, so if we think about these zones, which I would love to share this with the group separately when we, when we post this podcast later, I, I just find it quite brilliant because I've seen myself kind of rotate through this, these zones of each quadrant. Could you maybe just share with us, share with me one example about the, the colleague who, yeah, how he came to you, he was anxious, he had a team who probably felt that anxiousness and how it affected them. Maybe in just one of the interactions he had with a, a teammate and how it, yeah, how, it, how they managed the energy and came out with the outcome they did. Okay. So we'll come back to the four quadrants after that then perhaps. Yes, for since, sure. since you mentioned them. Uh, yeah, so the example I was thinking about when, when we were coming up with the topic and the content for this was um, working with a very senior leader in elite sport and I noticed that he was constantly, lovely guy, but constantly stressed, showing a lot of physical symptoms, always seemed to be a bit sweaty, um, very red in the face, in fact, starting to get breakouts like eczema type of things, and just the whole tight, the tight stance, tight, tight body, even the way he, he walked, right? So that, that's me being sensitive, right? But that's me being able to see someone and start to get an impression that something's going on with this person, right? So he came into training um, with me to actually learn how to hold a coaching conversation with the other senior leaders. And I noticed that over the two days of the training, he started to relax more and more. And he was really very good at asking quite powerful questions, but he was also quite challenged in having to change basically his idea of what he needed to be and who he needed to be as a leader. And that was mostly, I've got to have all the answers. When he learned to coach and hold the coaching conversation, essentially, he realised that it's all about getting the other person to find the answers. And so he came back to me when he was having some mentoring with me and said, because I saw a shift, I saw a genuine shift. I was quite shocked because he walked in the door on the Monday after the training the week before, a completely different person. Looked relaxed, jump in his step, hi, how are you? Um, just complete just shining shining and I thought wow something's really happened here so when he came into mentoring he shared this example where he'd had one of his team members come to him and ask for an answer to a pretty solid problem and he said I was literally sweating because he said I had to sit on my hands thinking I know about this now, Indira's taught me about this, I have to use my coaching conversation here and I'm going to do it, so I can't give her the answer. And he said, I was literally sitting on my hands to stop myself from doing it and she was standing there looking at him, as he said, as 
well, this is usually, let's call him John, this is usually the moment when John would give me the answer and I'm sitting there thinking this is the moment when I would usually give her the answer. So there's this <laughs> awkward tension that was going on as well. She's sitting, standing there wondering what the heck's going on with him. But the thing was he was courageous enough to weather it and stick with it. And what he did instead was he coached her into finding her own answer. What happened was this amazing solution popped out that neither of them had thought about. And they both looked at each other and thought, wow, we could give this a go. This is actually a really good idea. And so then he said to her, well, off you go then. Work out how you're going to do it. Come back to me. But you've got my okay to explore it as a... And, and they were under great pressure. Like the other side of it that I, I've just remembered was they were under time pressure to come up with an answer as well. So it was, you know, pressure cooker stuff. Um, and so off she went. So she was excited because she'd come up with the answer. Her energy came up. She was really engaged with the whole project, apparently saw it through brilliantly. It did work out very well. And he was like, oh, my goodness, this works. And he'd let himself off the hook with feeling like he's always got to come up with the answers and relaxed. And he honestly didn't revert back to the way he was. I worked with him for probably another year before he moved on and I watched and knew. And, and he will say to me, we have been in touch at times and we've run into each other and he'll say to me, are you still doing what, you're, what you were doing? Because I hope you are. Um, because it genuinely did make such a an impact for him on, on changing his own energy but also helping her to release her own energy. I think what I what I love about this example is, and, and Indira, when you first shared it with me, I thought of a podcast back in the day when um, in a, somewhat of a similar situation, dynamic between a manager and uh, someone on his team, you know, they always thought that he had or would give the answer. And so he started by just saying, well, you know, what would you like from me or what, you, what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. But what I find more dynamic and more insightful from the example you just shared with us as well is, you know, this is this is someone who they, they they probably both had varying levels of energy in the same room at that time. He's probably feeling like a buzz, a bit of anxiousness. You know, what has India taught me? I need to. I want to be able to use that. She's probably in between like that negative state of like, well, I'm also anxious, probably about to break down, have a burnout if this if we don't come up with an answer or a solution. And you know, they both kind of found a way to kind of their energy levels to kind of come from a bit of that negative zone to like into that positive zone. And coming out into that performance zone that you shared with me, like that, that the potential personal best between the two, he delivered, you know, incredible coaching. She came up with an idea. He, they came up with an idea that they didn't expect. And it's like this win-win for both. And obviously that energy just, um, it, it, the vibration kind of just, it, it accelerates, so yeah. to speak. I find that incredibly powerful. And, you know, again, to go back to your point about the, the four quadrants, you know, I can just imagine that there was an absolute imbalance for, for each of them in their respective quadrants, you know, again, gender aside, issue aside, you know, and, and so it's just fascinating how these two kind of come together and just play off how energy has this interesting dynamic, depending on our state of mind, our physical state, our emotional state, our spiritual state, and, and how we want to come ideally to that personal best, that, that high performance zone, high energy and positive. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that 
intention would have been in there. He had the intention of yes. not doing the same thing as yeah. he would normally do, of not letting the situation, the pressure of it, get to them. He was going to carry it through and give it a go anyway. And it broke. And she obviously wasn't saying, come on, give me the answer now. She was sitting waiting, standing waiting respectfully and at the same time they're under pressure. She needs that answer. Um, but he, and he also is exhibiting mindfulness because he's aware. He's aware that his hands are, all, you know, he's sitting on his hands, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's aware that this is where I typically go wrong. I, this is yeah. my opportunity to go in the right way and not and, and, and manage and work in partnership with my mind and her mind as opposed to just control yeah. my mind and force my way down a normal path. That's brilliant. To the point that he was breaking, he said oh, he was breaking out in a sweat. So he even had the physical response of what was happening to have to change that energy dynamic of how the mind's, where he would normally go emotionally, where he'd normally go mentally, like bringing, bringing in a better response. And, and so the, the problem could have been, could have continued. They could have had that conversation again the next day later in the afternoon two weeks later it could have been the same kind of unproductive conversation and the pressure of it so he broke he broke all of that and that's why I'm so wedded to these like principles these eight elements because I see it I see it play out in my own life you know on, on my own factory with this and I see it with the coaching that I've done and the leadership work I've done over and over. And we, we keep talking about don't react, you've got to respond. Well, if you don't know how to get into a state where you can respond, how are you, how are you not going to just be very reactive and potentially exacerbate the situation? I totally agree. I mean, I know and that... And it's not energy efficient and it's not time efficient. No, it's not. And I think, you know, we... And also I'm, I'm a mindset of more than efficiency. As you get older, it's about effectiveness. Uh, and so it's not only being efficient, then it's like, how effective are you with your energy uh, mm. and applying it as you see fit? And it, it's um, just, again, some of the thoughts and notes that you and I have shared is, you know, that collaboration is a mix of positive energies and how you've generated through your coaching um, inner fulfillment for, I think we call them John, uh, and outer success for both of them. And I think that's, it, it's, I think it, it's the type of energy that we want to reciprocate. Cause I do feel that we are in an environment at times where energy can be knocked down or chipped away at any given time. Um, again, like you said, by external factors. Um, and it, it's only what we do within ourselves as that source of energy. And, you know, it's something else that you've mentioned, uh, and I, I'm going to pull it up here in a second, but how energy is something that you find uh, comes from within. You know, you, you mentioned in your book, there is an endless source of energy available to you when you focus on its source. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and that's what maybe I wanted to ask you, kind of shifting it to, you know, what are some of the benefits um, based on what you, your insights on energy? What are some of the benefits of having or maintaining or being aware of how we manage our energy? Well, I think you become more aware of, of, of what that source is. Where is your energy really coming from? And you start to make better daily choices about how to generate that power, how to get it back, where to be miserly with it. It's like, are you giving away your energy to people and 
it's not coming back like the, the cycle of giving and receiving it's not coming back it's depleting you it's not helping to replenish and uplift you at the same time or or later on um so i mean for me that's where meditation is important doing very deep relaxation letting the mind go letting letting all of the senses shutting all the senses down so that we are totally centered and relaxed and um and really that's what meditation is the idea is to initially engage all the senses but then to start pulling them in and just being one focused letting go of the sound letting go of you know you sit in the mostly in the dark with your eyes closed a shawl around you in the same place same time and and you're cutting off all of that sensory stuff to give yourself a break and then let the natural energy healing process to start to come in but but also I mean, we are big batteries. <laughs> We're not really, at some point, we, we, we get depleted. But how do you replenish that? You can't wait for four weeks off once a year if you're lucky enough to get four weeks. So my, my self-management is on a daily basis and, and every couple of hours being aware. Like we know that the brain switches hemispheres every hour and a half. And that's usually when we'll feel a shift in, I can't focus on this anymore. You shouldn't run a meeting for more than an hour and a half. You need 15 minutes to go and use the other side of the brain and let, let the brain rest. Otherwise, you've run out of mental energy by lunchtime and, and you mentally you're in a mess for the rest of the day until you've slept. So we've got to be aware of, of all of those those levels and then learn how does it work for you so this is another thing that I do and I love doing it is working with a team and getting each of them to actually map their energy flow through to the day what's mm -hmm. the natural energy flow for each person in the team and then we put it on us on a spreadsheet and we we map the sign curves to see who's up and who's down and when and and when to hold meetings because there's no point in holding a meeting when in, in one of my teams we discovered that um, we were all really low in the mornings with energy and yet the manager kept asking us to meet at 10 o'clock. So we shifted it to, so, no, sorry, it was the other way around. It was afternoon meetings and I'm, I'm hopeless at 3 o'clock. I'm really alert in the mornings. Turned out most of the team were as well except for one. And so we've moved the meetings to the mornings. They all said straight away, the quality of the conversation, the quality of the outcomes and the ideas went up astronomically. So it also means you can map your day about when you know it's best time to just do your emails because it doesn't really take a lot of energy to get through them unless they really matter. Um, but if you want to hold a really high-end, high-level conversation and you're trying to get a client on board or you're, you're trying to influence a, an external body or stakeholder, you need to do that when you're at your best. So In I your, think, can I, Sorry, go ahead. Finish yeah, your thought. Well, no, I, just, I, I, wanna, I, I need to interrupt you there because I yeah. think that's absolutely powerful. I'm like, I, it's something that I've, I've, you know, we talk about and I'll give you an example. We, I used to have a team meeting every Tuesday afternoon from two to four and, you know, we used to talk like, hey, can we move that to Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning? Because we just by the time we come into our Tuesday afternoon, we're depleted. So it's like, 
you know, you, you try to, you know, re-energize during that two hour window, but you know, you're not going to get the, the, the conversation, the quality, the interaction, the engagement that you probably would have first thing fresh in the morning after your cup of coffee, after your breakfast, after you've gotten a few things done and you're like, boom, let's have a session, especially it's the only time each week we got about 16 of us together. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine if we mapped 16 people's energies, you know, on that Tuesday, generally, you know, morning to evening, I could just imagine you'd see everyone probably at a low point in that afternoon. So I just want to say that that is something that needs to be a massive takeaway from folks uh, from this conversation amongst many other things. Like I just need to highlight that with enthusiasm because I find that absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And it does mean, yes, you've got to be on board. You've got to be there, you know, eight till six or whatever is expected of you, which is way too long anyway. I mean, we do know that we also only get six productive hours in a day. Mm -hmm. Lots of research has shown that, but we still try to do 12 hour days. So this is, again, it's about energy and efficiency. So if you're aware of when you're at your best, do the things that really matter at those times when you can bring your best to the situation, you're going to be far more effective and you get more done. It just get more done. It's not about the number of hours in the day because we've all got 24 hours and some do more than others. You know? I, uh, I got once a piece of advice from a former mentor uh, years ago, a decade ago. And he's like, you know what? If you plan your week for 40 hours, you'll end up working 60 hours. If you plan your week for 20 hours, you'll end up working your 40 hours. And it's so true because we're just so used to just chock a block the day back to back. But then, you know, in the morning and the evening, especially nowadays with people working from home, their home is their office. It's their home. It's their school. It's their playground. It's their gym. How you, you, you know, compartmentalize and just make sure you're aware of, uh, you know, what, what your energy is and you're measuring it, you're aware of it. And then how you use that common space. Um, during Absolutely. Your- yeah. And you have to call that out. You have, this is where we have to, let people know and 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 know that that is a time when you're not going to be at your best or for me that's okay I need to get out go walk around the block go buy the chocolate not um or I sit and meditate yesterday I hit hit a wall at 3 30 and I thought I haven't actually I got up too late to meditate so I will do it now mm-hmm. and I used that time to really go with it and then I bounced back and I was doing things really through till about 10 o'clock last night, telling myself, you need to go to bed now. So knowing what, knowing what will boost you. And it isn't again, always about length of time to do it. It's the things that really matter for some people that will be engaging with someone else. It's like they need to get on the phone and talk to somebody and engage because they're energized. Extroverts are like this. They need to be with people. So they generate energy by being around people and getting energy from other people and being in that introverts. It's like enough already. I need to be on my own now. I need to have time alone. Sorry, I'm not rejecting you. I just need time to replenish myself. Which, which, you know, I think we all need to, as much as we think uh, as an expert, you might recharge or replenish with outside energy. Indira, I'm going to start to steer us to conclusion, but there's one thing that uh, you mentioned. So we've now covered four elements and we're going to now go on to the next four eventually. Maybe can you just kind of tee up in terms of what are, how, how do you find the, the, the first four elements versus how you see the next four elements? So these four elements of visualization, 
uh, intention, mindfulness, and our energy are really like the basic elements to materializing what we want and creating the life that we feel is worth living, hopefully a really high-level lifestyle. The next four really take us then more into how do we access that deeper energy that's available and really maintain an uplifted state of being and also find that deeper connection where our wisdom speaks. So it still comes back to still mind, wise heart. We're not quite at the wise heart yet. Um, everything interacts, as we know. Um, so I, I saw that really these first four are, are like the mechanics, if you like, mm -hmm. of setting it up so that life is going to be what you appreciate and feels lined up with your own values, with your own heart, and where you will put your energy. And this is the thing, we'll hold energy back when we're not wedded to the idea or if we don't believe in it, we'll sabotage it even. Um, so energy needs to flow, it flows. So this is all about how do you get the flow going and therefore how will you allow your own energy to start to flow? And if you're not really aware of what's blocking it and what you're thinking, then you're not going to feel like your life's in flow. And actually things won't start flowing to you. So just to finish off, this is about attraction, right? How can you make, how can you lift your energy sufficiently, live in harmony and balance so that that is what you're attracting because like does attract like. Whatever we generate is usually what we will get back. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a very depleted ugly environment, things aren't great, people aren't speaking to you with respect, your energy is going to drop and you'll probably find yourself behaving much the same way or withdrawing. If you're in a really high-spirited, um, enthusiastic, beautiful environment, you're, you'll feel your spirits lift the minute you walk in and that's mostly how you're going to be as well. So we, we know it's, it's not, again, a new agey thing. It's... It's just a no-brainer, actually. <laughs> so um, I would like to see us really being able to be in that more high-performing mode where we've got high energy and positive emotion. The way we regenerate ourselves is to drop the energy down, not make it negative, but drop the energy down enough that we can rejuvenate and it's more of a recovery zone, but we still have positive emotion in that. So for me, I'm not feeling negative when I meditate. I'm just dropping the energy down. I'm still in a positive state most of the time. Whereas if we go into breakdown and burnout, we're really in very low energy, very negative emotion. And it can take a long time to come out of that. So we don't want to go there. When we're in anxiety, we're using a lot of energy. It's just like keep running, keep doing what we can but our emotional level is usually pretty low. Mm. So, again, just being aware that they're the four, the other four quadrants you wanted to talk about is just being aware that most of the time what we're aiming at with our energy is to stay in positive emotion, high energy as in not putting out a lot of energy, but the energy is light and flowing, and then to come into recovery for a while I need to do that on a daily basis to really maintain myself in a great state, give myself meditation time, relaxation time, whatever, walking, whatever it's going to be, but you just drop the energy down a bit 
and conserve your energy and allow it to be a reserve, you know, build your reserve again. No, I totally agree. I, I want to, I want to say thank you. And I want to close us to um, another quote from your book. Cause I think this is, again, I love this word. It's powerful, but here we go. Without energy, you are lost to your innate power. And as a leader, your power is your strongest ally and guide to success. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Indira, from my side to you, thank you. I'm really excited for the next four elements. Thank you for taking the time to talk us through energy. It's, it's around us, it's everywhere. Um, and I look forward to building on this next week. Fine, fabulous. Look forward to it too, Anil. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks, Indra. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Again, a powerful session on energy. Join us next week as we dive into element number five, contemplation. Feel free to share this with your friends, your family. Watch this on YouTube. And remember, know you to be you. This is Anil. Until next time, take care.